Welcome to Get Better at Garbage, the official podcast of Recycle Smart, Canada's fastest growing recycling technology company. In every episode, we talk tech, innovation, and inside secrets with interesting people doing interesting things from around the world. Welcome to this episode of Get Better at Garbage. I'll be your host, Ty Quintel, the Digital Marketing Coordinator for Recycle Smart. Uh, joining me today on this episode is Recycle Smart's Chief Innovation Officer, Colin Bell. Hey, Colin, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm coming to you from the airport today, so I'm going to apologize in advance if there's any like you know announcements in the background. So, no worries. Podcast on the fly. Hey, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, and then today we're also welcoming Jamie Miller, a PhD, President of Biomimicry Frontiers, a sustainability consultancy helping landowners and businesses make smart decisions. Hi, Jamie. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Not bad. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll hop right into it. I just wanted to ask, uh, you know, a bit about where you grew up, where you went to school and any previous career experience. Uh, yeah, I grew up in a tiny town called Hagersville, Ontario. It's uh, southern uh, southern Ontario. It's a farming community. Um, my dad's side of the family is all farmers. Um, and so somehow he wooed my mom from Toronto to live in the country and we have a family farm that's been in the family for over a hundred years. Um, yeah. And then from there, um, went to high school there and then ended up going to Queens university for a couple of my degrees and then eventually to Guelph. Um, but in terms of professional experience, I worked a bit for the government of Canada, the greenhouse gas department, um, worked with the university, uh, both Queens and Guelph, uh, and OCAD. I've been, uh, teachers at all three of those universities, but really I've been driven by, um this fascination and maybe an obsession with biomimicry which has led me to do my phd and create biomimicry frontiers and now the biomimicry commons um yeah that's that's been driving me for over almost 20 years now awesome um i guess before we go too far down the road how do you explain what uh you do if you met someone at a cocktail party how would you explain them what you did yeah. Um, ultimately, I'm taking design advice from the natural world and applying it to the built environment. So best examples of biomimicry are Velcro, which was inspired by the burrs that stick to your pants. And an engineer in the 40s just copied that hooking mechanism. But oh, there's yes. also... Right, right. That, took, yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. And there's like a company in Toronto that uh, just got bought um, called Whale Power. Uh, they copied the bumps on the front edge of a humpback whale fin and applied those bumps called tubercles to a wind turbine blade and found that that blade is 20% more efficient, runs at slower wind speeds, and is quieter. So usually I describe biomimicry through examples um, because it's a practical philosophy that's, I think, changing the world. So it's basically like plagiarism of nature for profit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, but more about trying to figure out how to keep our species alive. Right, of course, all that good stuff. Um, so the, in terms of biomimicry, you've explained it really well, but really the essential concept is it's it's looking to the natural world for systems and patterns, or can you dive a little bit more into what biomimicry is all about and what it means? Yeah, there's three ways you can look at it. It's, it's form-based emulation, process-based, and systems-based. And so form-based is the easiest entry point and the sexiest. It's like when you can see nature being copied, so the Velcro or the humpback whale fins. 
But process-based is a deeper uh, element where you're starting to try to copy how nature manufactures. So think of spider silk, for example, and the way that spiders can make this material that's stronger than anything we've ever made as humans, but they're doing it at body temperature, body pressure, using only the energy of the sun in water-based chemistry, and it's fully recyclable. Those, those spiders will often eat the silk. Um, and then the third level and the, the most important level is systems-based biomimicry, where you're looking to nature as a system and understanding the deeper principles that guide it. Uh, a good example is circularity. You know, we think we've come up with circularity, but nature has been doing it for 3.8 billion years. So those deeper principles allow us to understand how nature functions as a system. And when we know that, we can start to embed those in our ways of doing things so that we can be you know, a contribution to the natural world, reintegrate ourselves into nature, recognizing that humans are natural. Right, and with circular economy, you've done some really interesting work with food waste and circular economy. Do you wanna to touch on the work that you've done? Yeah, the city of Guelph um, was a part of a $10 million grant through Industry Canada to, to build a circular food economy. Um, we jumped in to really bring that biomimetic lens and to kind of creatively explore how, how we could re revision food waste. And so right off the hop, we started with a local um, nano brewery um, who I know quite, quite well. It's a kind of our community center, but they, um, uh, we started to explore what waste products they had and how we could reuse them. So we turned some of their spent grains into bread. We helped, uh, create a, uh, a little bit of a business for a local baker. Um, we're looking at different strategies for using waste in the neighborhood. And then we eventually got to this patch model. Um, we realized it's very, it's a biomimetic kind of lens where we're looking at the city as a group of villages or patches. And this is what ecologists do. It's called patch dynamics. They'll look at a complex ecosystem in terms of these patches. Um, and each of these patches kind of have their own flows, their own resources, their own opportunities, but it's deeply connected to the larger system. So we looked at our patch, you know, my neighborhood that I live in and, um, started to explore what opportunities are here. And we realized a lot of people have gardens in their backyard. Um, and a lot of people are growing the same vegetables, the same eight vegetables or whatever. They got carrots, they've got, we've probably got a million cherry tomatoes every year and most of them go to waste. So we started to imagine what would happen if we mapped those resources out and set up a, a, an opportunity for people to change and exchange food. So through a, an app called Seed Voyage, we started to, share vegetables so that not all of us are growing cherry tomatoes but the the abundance and the extras that we had we could share sell or barter with our neighbors and then the benefit of that is we became a much more resilient community because we're we're working as a kind of a micro farm and amy down the road has chickens with too many eggs we have an apiary in our neighborhood we have goats we found out we have somebody who makes honey so we started to make these linkages and make more diversity or more diverse um, food produce in our backyards so that we became less reliant on a linear agricultural system, which we saw the vulnerability of during COVID. And so this is really using tech to kind of accelerate that age old, like, you know, trying to foist off your zucchinis yeah. that you have yeah. too many of on your neighbors and, and trying to build that network uh, using technology and obviously scale it. Do you want to talk a little bit about the bakery? Because I read uh, that project because I think, like you said before, the examples are so powerful with, with biomimicry in terms of, you know, you talk about 
something, but when you actually talk about what really happened. So can mm-hmm. you talk a bit about the bakery project? Because I thought it was really interesting in terms of how you worked with the bakery and kind of connected the dots. Uh, yeah, I think it was um, pretty straightforward in that, like, yeah, we, we, I mean, in any circular economy, you're looking for wasted opportunities, whether it's wasted resources or, you know, even wasted talent is another way I look at it. It's like, what are the skill sets that you have in your patch, in your neighborhood or in your business? Um, and map those out and give them to a bunch of creative thinkers and see what you can come up with them. And that's ultimately what happened is, I went, when we were talking to the brewery, um, their, their spent grains are, they have an insane amount of spent grains and they've been traditionally sending it to farmers, which is fine. But we're thinking like, what if we could do something more productive and create a business out of it, which is one of the goals of the circular food economy. Um, and then we, with creative thinkers in the neighborhood, we realized somebody told me that you can make bread out of spent grains um, and so we found a baker and then we have a local kind of um, not a do-it-yourself shop and like a, a community kind of innovation hub uh, called 10C that incubated this guy. And, and they have a they have a, a more industrial scale um, oven. So he started to bake at a higher, higher rate and make more. But we also found out, too, that you can make beer from from bread as well. So we're trying to make that circularity hilariously small where the spent grain becomes bread, the bread becomes beer, and everyone's happy. <laughs> and everyone is happy. Um, <laughs> so to, to loop back on the patch, so the patch is basically kind of like, it's your hood, it's your local yeah, your local area, kind of that area that you spend a lot of time in in close proximity to where you live or work. And yeah. so in nature, like would that be kind of like, a kind of a, a mini ecosystem like i'm thinking if i'm standing in the forest and maybe there's a kind of a specific spot next to a stream or maybe there's a, a hole in the canopy where the sun shines down so it creates kind of a little mini mm-hmm. ecosystem is that kind of the idea with the patch is that it's kind of like what's what's in the immediate ecosystem around you and, and how can you use that yeah yeah it's more about reflecting how diverse each area can be so it's like whether it's like a, a grove uh, with a certain kind of tree species or it's even at a micro scale it's like if you take a handful of soil and move 10 feet and take another handful of soil you're probably going to get an, a, a pretty different group of microbacteria so it's about recognizing the diversity and the uniqueness of each kind of area and just avoiding homogenizing an entire city um, and then then when you look at it that way you get to see kind of the beauty and the brilliance of that little neighborhood you get to see the kind of skill sets, the kind of thinkers, the resources. Um, to give you an example, there's a patch just north of us that's home to a pretty significant immigrant community and the gardens that they were growing, the, the plants that they were growing in their, in their gardens were so amazing, you know, so diverse and so different from my neighborhood, which is predominantly, you know, white middle-class. So um, just celebrating that diversity and creating linkages between them. Yeah, it's interesting when you when you think of the patch, it, it kind of has a funny um, kind of reference. I don't know why it's kind of like down at the patch, but right. it's true that <laughs> um, that each neighborhood, and I think especially in uh, you know some cities, the patches can be quite you know you've got the Italian part of town and you've got right. this part of town, or the or the the neighborhoods, aka the patches, have very strong individual personalities. Uh, you know, as you move through a neighborhood. 
Yeah. I think that's probably one of the knocks on like modern suburbia is like the patch is pretty bland. It's like, yeah. you know, it kind of gets not that, not that exciting. Yeah. Um, one, during COVID, you also worked on another, uh, another project, the, the future project. Can you explain a little bit about that project? Cause that was kind of, you know, very COVID uh, driven in terms of, you mm-hmm. know, restaurants that were trying to adapt. Yeah. That, it, the project started out us wanting to turn the local brewery into like a food hub. And once COVID hit, we kind of shifted everything and realized we had a new opportunity with all these closed restaurants. Um, we wanted to really help out the local economy. So we got one of these closed restaurants to set up shop where they, they built an online marketplace essentially. And they were selling all the local goods in that neighborhood. So like local bread, local beers, local wine, local cheeses. We just started to partner with as many local kind of artisan, small scale um, shops and sell their groceries online. And then we're delivering them through e-bikes. So we're trying to keep it a low emissions um, project and trying to help this restaurant out, which we knew was struggling. So that was, that was kind of the, the COVID pivot. We, yeah, we wanted to help these, you know, help the local uh, food distributors and, and make a more kind of consolidated and, and, and innovative um, strategy for, for getting food. And when you think of the circular economy when it comes to food and food waste, is there a good example in the natural environment of a species or an ecosystem where this really works well? Like I'm thinking of, you know, livestock, you know, they eat the grass, then they obviously, you know, poop on the grass, but then that creates more grass. And so it's this kind of beautiful circle where it can continue to go around and around. Yeah. Well, I think what I love about nature is there's no such thing as a circular economy. It's, because there's no other option, if you know what I mean. It has to be. It was born circular. It is circular. It's humans who've made kind of more of a linear um, process, which which we're recognizing isn't that effective. You know, it helped us a lot, but now we're at a point where we're so large and we're so disruptive that we may have to rethink things. So, so nature is inherently circular. Um, and I think one of the key things that I'm now pushing towards is uh, why it's circular is because it, it uses only a subset of the periodic table of elements. So pretty much all of nature is built on six elements. And that's what makes it so circular because those six elements can be so easily decomposed or or, um, distributed. And what's amazing is nature can take just six building blocks essentially and make incredible forms and structures and processes. And so once, once we head in that direction, once we start to look at how we manufacture things and start to think about the building blocks that we use to manufacture, we'll start to become more circular because we can break things down easier and we can be more playful and creative in, in how we reorganize them. And we're starting to see that with 3D printing and, and additive manufacturing. Um, you know, we can pre- 3D print and 4D print some pretty cool stuff and we can use materials that are fully biodegradable using green chemistry. So we're on our way to becoming more natural um, in that regard. But to your question, it's, it's really, um, that's what I love about nature is it's inherently circular. There's kind of no other option. Yeah, and is part of this like thinking about that circular, the circular part of a product when you're building it, like you're saying that nature really only uses a set uh, part of the periodic table. So if you think of it like Lego, it's kind of like you can take that apart right. and put it back together. But That's right now, we often we often make things out of materials that are either hard to recycle, impossible to reuse. You know, either 
the way that we process it or the actual material we're using. But if you were thinking from a circular perspective, you'd say, well, I'm not going to make this out of styrofoam because this is really hard to recycle. I'm going right. to use some other, I'm going to use some other material. So is that part of that circularity thinking is always thinking about what are we going to do with this at the end? How is it going to That's exactly yeah, at the core, the, the, the primary principle of biomimicry is to create conditions that are conducive to more life. If you think of nature, that's ultimately what it does. If, you, if, if we left the city, life would take over, you know, plants would, would intervene, like nature wants to create more life. And I think that's a good kind of founding principle when we're manufacturing and creating anything is, are we making conditions that are conducive to more life? Does this make it easier for more life to grow? Um, and that's kind of what drives all of my design thinking. That is a good way to think of it. I think is it conducive to life in terms of yeah, is this going to go and become something else? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ty, I'm going to turn it over to you to to uh, take us out to the end. It's been great chatting with you, Jamie, and um, I encourage people to learn more about biomimicry. Not only is it a fun word to say. Uh, it could be something that you can apply in your career or your uh, particular challenge and then come up with a neat solution. All right. Thanks, Colin. Um, so, Jamie, on the Get Better of Garbage podcast, we like to ask the skill testing question. How do you like your eggs? We believe that how you like your eggs is a window into your soul. Oh, wow. Deep philosophy with eggs. Um, honestly, I, it, it either scrambled or fried. Scrambled or fried. Okay, so pretty easy going. Uh, very relaxed, uh, you know. Very flexible. I like guys like scrambled fried because it's like if you accidentally crack the egg too hard and break the yolk, <laughs> and you're just like, you know what? I was going to scramble it anyway, right? Exactly. So yeah. I'm going to go with the flow kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Not like those poach people that are like so particular, right? It's got to be on. just soft. Oh, man. Like yeah. so much pressure. Scramble fried, like literally, you can't go wrong, right? You're like, well, I was frying, but now I'm scrambling. Whatever. Yeah. Let's go. Your, mis- your mistake is a win. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Jamie. So uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of you or get in contact, what's the best way? I mean, you can check us out on Instagram at Biomimicry Frontiers um, uh, or reach out to our, our website, biomimicryfrontiers.com. Or if you really want to get engaged, um, we've built the Biomimicry Commons community, which is an incubator and education space that actually Fast Company called the World Changing Ideas. So um, find us there. That's the community that's, uh, that's growing. It's biomimicrycommons.com. Um, that's the best way to get engaged. Perfect. Thank you. And I'll link that all in the description, um, for this episode. So, all right, Jamie, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate it. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. Remember, you can recycle past episodes at www.recycle-smart.com forward slash podcast and follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for joining us. And remember to get better at garbage, rock the recycling, and save some serious dough.